welcome to another episode of McYap and Fry's Movie Reviews Podcast. Hello, welcome everybody. The McYap and Fry's Movie Podcast. Ha <laughs> Back for the third episode of this exciting second season. Yes, we're almost up to number 30 now. Yeah, well, I try, I try not to look at it like that. I like to think of us as, as I like to think of us as being reborn into a new era. For now it is officially 2.3. We got some exciting stuff for you today. Yeah. Uh, we got some hot casting news. Got some news hot off the Croisette from the Cannes Film Festival. Mm-hmm. Lots of uh, m- more remakes on the way. Fuck loads of remakes on the fucking way. A new Scorsese movie that, yeah, you know, I saw this coming a mile away. Yeah, it's, only <laughs> it's a, a, good, matter it's a of good time. Fit. It's <laughs> a good fit. It is a very good fit. It's only a matter of time. And we also got reviews coming up of Push, Cinetors New York, and the Watchmen Time DVD Tales of the Black Freighter. Mm-hmm. That also includes uh, Under the Hood, which was the, uh, the, fictional, all, the fictional autobiography that um, Hollis Mason, the original Night Owl, had wrote in the original graphic novel. Which was touched on briefly in the movie, very, very briefly. And which we'll get to later. And which we'll get to later. Kicking off the news this week, uh, some nice footage came out of uh, the Prince of Persia movie. Did you see this? Yeah, I did. I did. I did. Yeah. It's <laughs> kind of... It looks very Scorpion Kingy. I'm wondering how they were talking about, you know, Jake Gyllenhaal. Jake Gyllenhaal is ripped. Yeah, he's fucking ripped in this movie. But um, I'm wondering how much. I mean, which source material they're going to stay to? I mean, the original story is just your prince. I don't know. I took a look at it and uh, I like I I twittered this. I was like, it looks like Jesus of Nazareth meets Scorpion King. Yeah. And it's weird. Uh, Jake Gyllenhaal now that he's old, now that he's buff, looks stupid. <laughs> he looks dumb. His, his face, face just doesn't fit his that face, part of body. You know, that, his face it's his that face on Sylvester Stallone's body. I know, it's, it's just weird. Like when I saw him and you know... It's, and the long stringy hair as well. The long, the long stringy hair. I mean, some of the people online are going nuts because they're saying like, Would it kill you to cast a Persian? Yeah, yeah. yeah. You know, it's like, I hate to break it to you people. I know Persians, they're white. <laughs> Persians look white. So, you know, I mean, I'm not going to get pissed off because they cast Jake Gyllenhaal. Yeah. You know, uh, but it just looks weird. He looks weird being all buff like that. And fighting and stuff. And, and with and that face of his, it just like, it looks... You're too used to him being Donnie Darko. You know, I'm too... Or a gay cowboy. Or a gay cowboy. Yeah. It's like, <laughs> it, just, it doesn't seem to fit. Like, I wish I could quit the gym. <laughs> <laughs> but uh, watching, because uh, Jerry Bruckheimer, uh, didn't he preview it on ABC? Yeah, while he was talking, he's to, talking uh, about it while they show the He was being yeah. interviewed about the whole thing, and I remember the interviewer was just like, "So you got Jake Gyllenhaal, one of the, one of the, the hot young stars of tomorrow, that, that kind of thing," and you know, like, uh, and it's like, what, what, what does this, what does Jake Gyllenhaal bring to the role? He's asking Bruckheimer this, yeah. and Bruckheimer's like, "Well, he's very handsome, yeah, <laughs> you know, and, he, and he's in great shape. I mean, he got into great shape, and plus, he's a he's a great actor, and that's what it's all about, you know." I was like, "What the fuck?" You talk about you talk about being handsome and yeah. in great shape before you even bring up talent. Yeah, exactly. that's scary. That's scary. But I don't know. It looked weird. Yeah, it looked weird. I, I, not enough for me to get excited about it. But granted, it's it's very early days. This movie is not coming out till summer next year. Next summer, yeah. Next yeah, summer, summer next year. So it's still early, early days. And Bruckheimer, Bruckheimer normally, at the very least, you know, you can count on some good entertainment. Yeah, but plus it's based on a video game, and there hasn't been a good video game movie. That's true. So That's true. And, uh, I'm not too familiar with the video game. Actually. Yeah, the original was just basically rescue the princess. But the the, the the did a remake of that quite another remake. This is a remake of a remake of a remake a new remake recently, which was called The Sands of Time, where they introduced a dynamic where when you fell off a ledge and fell to your death, you could rewind time a little bit. Oh yeah. And it had a very clever framing device where it starts with this guy creeping heavy disguised, creeping into a tent, and telling the story to this woman. And it's only when you complete the game that you realize how that ties together with all the time stuff that's been going on because it's mm-hmm. actually a time loop the story. Right. And it's very well done. Now, I don't think they're going to use any of that time kind of stuff in there, but I mean, it's just going to... 
it was a very acrobatic, very cool looking, you know, it was like you would get walk into a room and you would see like six stories up, there's a ledge and between you and that there's like a few poles and a bit of a ledge and you're like, how the fuck am I gonna get up there? Mm-hmm. But it felt like being in a movie because you were able to run along the wall, do a kick from one wall to another, kick up the walls that way. And it's like, you know, those were simple commands to do that. It was like, mm-hmm. it looks yeah. beautiful on the screen, but you only hit a few buttons. It wasn't like Dragon's Lair bad. It wasn't like press left every 15 minutes, but it gave you maximum control and looked awesome. Well, it'll be interesting to see how this one turns out. I mean, like for me, the jury's still out on it. Yeah. I mean, it's still early, early days. Bruckheimer's producing. Mike Newell is directing. That's mm. pretty interesting. Mike Newell's like that, that kind of thing. It can go either way. Yeah. It can go either way. I mean, his track record's kind of kind of patchy. It's like, you know, you got some really, really good flicks and some just like, huh, yeah, what, no, why did you even bother with this type of flicks? Yeah. But uh, seeing us run this whole swords, uh, sword play and all that shit. Swords and sound and epics. Yep. Some uh, hot... Hot new casting, although it's not entirely confirmed. I don't think Marvel has confirmed it yet. Uh-huh. But uh, Chris Hemsworth. Yeah. Chris Hemsworth is apparently um, the Remember mighty to Thor. to be the mighty Thor. Uh, for those of you who don't know, Chris Hemsworth was uh, Captain Kirk's uh, father, the one who died a very heroic death at the beginning of the new Star Trek movie. You haven't seen it yet? Spoiler. <laughs> it's not a spoiler. It's the first 10 minutes. It's, it's not a spoiler. It's yeah. the beginning of the movie. It's how Captain Kirk comes to be. <laughs> but now it's worth it's worth checking out the new new Star Trek movie if you haven't checked it out. Yeah, it's go an see it. awesome, awesome awesome movie and uh, I a chance it. to check out this guy. I want to I want to see the new Star Trek movie again just so I can have a look at this guy's performance again. Yeah, and I mean I looked at from his performance and he doesn't look Thorish, but when you look online he's got a, he's a got lot a of little photos. picture there. There's a, no, there's a lot of photos just on Google images of him with slightly longish hair, mm-hmm. like not Thor long but almost getting there. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And you can definitely see it. Yeah. It'd be interesting. It'd be interesting to see cuz I mean like one thing that does kind of give you a little bit of hope is that this is Marvel Studios. Yeah. So it's like they're taking this shit very seriously because they want these movies to go on forever. They want. They don't want to fuck it up. They want to create a proper movie world, con- you know, continuity. So that's something that gives me a lot of hope. Cool. But that'll be interesting. It'll be interesting because uh, this other guy, Alexander uh, Skarsgård, is that his name? Was, yeah. Wasn't he like the number one contender for a long time, that's along with uh, before, yeah. along with Kevin McKidd? Kevin McKidd, yeah. Uh, I'm just I'm just stoked that we're gonna see a Thor movie. Yeah, we're finally gonna see a fucking mighty Thor movie. That's fucking awesome. Everything to be great. <laughs> By Odin's beard. <laughs> oh! Some other kind of news that creeped out via the casting was God those... of fucking thunder. <laughs> Simple. Mighty Monier. <laughs> uh, Loki. I heard somewhere that they're considering Josh Hartnett for Loki. That's that's weird. I will be weird. That but I mean, the, you know, Loki's weird looking. I mean, there's no. He wears a giant green yellow suit with horns coming out of the top. After the Dark Knight, I think every young actor is like, any villains coming Yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> any comic book villains? Uh, you know, like anything that I can sort of make my own and maybe like die and win an Oscar? Yeah. <laughs> Some other news that kind of came out because of the casting, um, William Gibson's Neuromancer. They were talking about Liv Tyler is in the talks at the moment to star in that. I presume she's in the role, looking for the role for uh, Molly Millions. Mm-hmm. Although I don't think she can call her Molly Millions. I think there's some um, Molly Millions got put into... Johnny Moronic, and as a result, much of that character is now available for other movies. But I presume that's the role she's going to be in. Have you read Neuromancer? No, I haven't. Yeah, it's it's you know it's one of the first major. Like, no, I, I know it. I know it. I know that it's supposed. To, it was uh, one of the original cyberpunk novels. Yeah, and it's kind of it's pretty cool. Um, the only other thing that was a bit of a downer was that Hayden Hayden Christensen was rumored to be the uh, lead previously. So yeah, I did I did read that. about this somewhere. Yeah. How the fuck does that guy keep getting work? I don't no idea. I really don't understand it. You know, whiny little shit. I saw Broken Glass, and he's actually a whiny little shit in that. And then in Jumper, he's a whiny little shit. Yeah, Shattered Glass. Shattered Glass, is it? Shattered Glass, yeah. I, I actually really like that movie. It was a good movie. It was but a good I, movie, I, I but like, in it. No, it's just like, are you mad at me? 
Are you he, mad at me? Remember, he like he keeps he just going like, through all these scenes. Like he's a douchebag. Are you mad at me? He's a douchebag. You in mad that at me? Movie. I work for the New Republic. I mean, after Only Star Wars, he needs magazine. to do something not whiny to try and win people back over, but he's not doing it. But he keeps getting work. I hate sand. It's rough and harsh. And it gets everywhere. Not like you. Not like you. You're soft. Yeah, but she's she's a slut too. Fucking Liv Tyler. After that, no, no. <laughs> Liv Tyler. No, no, no. She's good people. Yeah. <laughs> she was great in The Strangers. <laughs> Another awesome movie. If you haven't seen it, check that movie out. We did review it, didn't we? We did review it. Yeah. yeah. Um, Scorsese's new flick. Yes. Sinatra. Sinatra. It was only a matter of time when you think about yeah, it. Yeah, I mean, when you look at his uh, over, it kind of fits. You can just do the casino thing again and just put some more stuff around that. It does fit very well, and it's, uh, I mean, Sinatra, he knew fucking everybody. Yeah. He knew everybody. So, I mean, there are so many different angles that you can take a movie based on his life, and Scorsese, I just think, would, you know, he would just go crazy with that sort of thing. Yeah. And, I mean, they've got the, they've got the goodwill of the, um, the, the Sinatra family there involved. One of the uh, involved in producing, one of his daughters or granddaughters or something like that. So, uh, yeah, Na- Nancy Sinatra. Yeah, so... Um, <coughs> Her, um, his daughter. Boots made for walking, Sinatra. Mm-hmm. But, um, yeah, so the music will all be frank. They won't be, uh, the, the actors they're looking for don't have to sing. And it was something, a bit of follow-up news after that was that the nuts, um, so crazy, but the, the studio was going to look for Johnny Depp. Um... Yeah, that was that, and also uh, the producers of the movie did acknowledge that uh, Leonardo DiCaprio's name was also brought up. Yeah, because he's Scorsese. Also G- yeah, you know, so it's like if Scorsese is doing a movie, you just have to naturally assume that uh, Leonardo DiCaprio might be playing the lead. Yeah, and which to be fair, kind of pisses me off just a little <laughs> bit. Why? Because I mean, I don't know. I mean, can, I think Leonardo DiCaprio is closer than Johnny Depp. I know, but after a while, it's like every time all these casting, all these casting announcements that you hear lately. They just remind me so much of like an episode of Entourage. Yeah, yeah, yeah. It's the same people over and over. You know, because like every time I would look at Vincent Chase, I was like, I wouldn't cast you as anything. You know, but somehow you got a good agent. You somehow managed to keep getting all this shit. Marcus Wright. You know, um, and you get people coming up to you like saying, oh, good luck in Aquaman. You're going to be awesome. It's like, dude, this guy would be a terrible Aquaman. Aquaman. <laughs> but you got James Cameron like, I found my Aquaman. What the fuck? <laughs> so when I read all these casting announcements like Leonardo DiCaprio to play Frank Sinatra, it reminds me of Entourage. It's yeah, yeah, so yeah. ridiculous that people who don't really, I mean, I don't know. I don't know. Like, I don't know. I'd figure more. I don't know. I'd figure more of a Paul Bettany or a Kevin Kidd would be a closer. Ray Liotta played him, right, in the HBO show. Did he? In the HBO. Uh, he did fit. He fit. I mean, Frank wasn't a skinny guy. No. Even in his best days. I don't know. I just like uh, Leonardo DiCaprio, Johnny Depp. It's like these these two guys. It's gone to a point where you feel like their names are mentioned just because they're they're in with the kids. Yeah. yeah. You know, they're in with the kids. So it's like, you know, they're, they're cool. And they are cool. I mean, they're, they're good actors, but they're at that point now where they've become very much more personalities than actors now. Yeah, yeah. It's like seven seasons. You know, jo- Johnny Depp, as far as I'm, every time I think of Johnny Depp now, I think Pirate. Yeah, yeah. You know, he's become sort of a, this franchise figure that it's just weird now to, to kind of picture him as like the weird kooky fucker who used to run off and do a movie with Jim Jamorsk every six months. You yeah. know? <laughs> but, you do, but I think he still manages, he's always managed to keep that line, you know. Yeah, I mean, in the past, maybe he's learned, well, unless he's learned from his mistakes after, you know, 21 Don't Shoot, turning down everything and getting away. No, I mean, now he is officially the, the actor version of Keith Richards. <laughs> exactly. He is that character now. It's like, you know, you don't fault him in anything he does because he's Johnny Depp, but he ain't, the, he ain't the, the, uh, the same guy that he used to be, you know. It's like, yeah. he can't be. He can't be. He can't, like, 
play that game and still be this weird kooky fucker that gives the finger to everyone. <laughs> On to remake news, a couple of remakes mentioned this week. Um, one of which Cliffhanger. This, there's the Sylvester Stallone movie from the 90s is now being looked at a remake. And of course, they're going the wrong way. We're talking about, you know, it's about a group of young climbers who get in trouble. It's like, well, for fuck's sake, you're missing the point. Hmm. And um, there's no screenwriter yet, but it's also, it's Neil Moritz who's also producing Escape from New York, apparently. What the fuck do you want a cliffhanger remake for? It's so, how can you update that? It's still, is there a different way to climb rocks now? Yeah, yeah. <laughs> it's like, climbing against shit, it's like, I don't, you know, it, I don't remember it being a bigger thing at the time. I mean, I watched it, yeah, and it was enjoyable, John Lithgow was excellent, but I mean... It was a big hit. Yeah. It but was it's, a big it's, hit. It's a, it's a caper movie. It's not, it wasn't fun, you know, for me, if it's a caper movie, it's got to be a caper movie plus something else to make it sell it. And it was Our, just like a standard kind of, you know, fucking robbery movie. I remember when it came out, it was, it was a particularly significant movie for Stallone because it was his, his comeback. comeback. Uh, after he had just, you know, fucked up entirely on uh, Rambo 3 and, uh, you know, like Oscar and Stop or My Mom Will Shoot yeah. back when he was trying to do comedy the same way Arnold was with yeah. Twins and Kindergarten Cop. And I just remember that... Don't follow the Arnie plan. I know, but uh, at the time it was doing really well for Arnold. Yeah. You know, so... But I remember that Cliffhanger was sort of blew out of proportion a little bit because it came out of the same year as Last Action Hero. Yeah. So it was like, finally, one of the action stars is delivered type of thing, you know, it's like, he had still on like going, yeah, I'm coming back. And Arnold's all lick, licking his wounds and he's like, it's a flop, but it's a fantastic flop. <laughs> <laughs> it's fantastic. Another remake news that was uh, mentioned this week is that they're remaking Free, uh, DreamWorks are remaking Fright Night. Yeah, I don't know, man. Yeah, they're saying they're going to keep the horror comedy tone, there's no writer attached yet, but yeah, the original was on TV here <laughs> recently. I like, I like, I love the original. Yeah, it's, it's, really, it's really fun. Yeah, it's fun. That's <laughs> I mean, it's a fun... You've got to have faith. <laughs> Uh, it's a fun kids movie, kind of kids movie that you can just you know that you can slot into those boxes, but they don't seem to make anymore. They're cool. I love Chris Sarandon. <laughs> <laughs> Chris Sarandon. Keep it in your pants. Keep it in your pants. Oh god. What was the kid's name from Fright Night? Do you remember? Oh, I can't remember that name. The other guy was Roddy McDowell. Roddy right? McDowell. Roddy McDowell yeah. and uh, Chris Sarandon. I just remember Chris Sarandon was the head, the lead vampire. Yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> He was just kind of vamping it up, literally. Yeah. Last thing he did is, uh, he was Jack Skeleton. Wasn't that the last... Well, was that him, yeah? Yeah, yeah. Was... Jesus. <laughs> you didn't know that? No, no, no. He was Jack Skeleton. <laughs> I never thought of looking up any of his names around that. I was just like, it's Jack Skeleton. No, I'm weird that way. I, I have these weird fucking names. Like, I saw this guy's name. is like Cameron Bancroft. <laughs> yeah, 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 yeah. And I was like, Bancroft. I gotta check this guy out. <laughs> Find out all this, okay. all this worthless shit. <laughs> Oh uh, god, you know, did you hear about uh, another fucking Jekyll and Hyde movie? Yes, yeah, so that's two, two new? Yeah, no, yeah, it's three. Three now. So it's the Keanu one, yeah. the Guillermo del Toro one, yeah. and this one by Abel Ferrara, the guy who directed King of New York and Bad Lieutenant. Yeah. Interesting. What, yeah. What, what's kind of weird is that it's, uh, it's Forrest Whitaker and 50 Cent. Yeah, yeah, that was the thing. It's like, and it's like Forrest Whitaker like, t- actually turns into 50 Cent when he drinks some potion. He's like, yeah, but it's like which, which Forrest Whitaker is he? No, like, but it sounds like a comedy. Yeah, yeah, yeah. It's like Forrest Whitaker from Species turns into 50 Cent. It's like, it's like the, what's you call it? The, um, the Nutty Professor? Yeah. It's like, it's like something you'd think the Wayne brothers would fucking Exactly, yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> And then like, then you got this like from the director of Bad Lieutenant. Yeah. <laughs> what? Fifty Cent is just weird. I presume. That, I mean, I'm presuming it's he's he's high. I mean, otherwise it'd just be very odd. Fifty Cent turns into Forrest Whitaker. Well, it's not universal. No. It's not universal. Uh, not not too sure who it is though. But uh, yeah, it's basically he he <laughs> he 
takes a potion and he transforms into 50 cent. I'd be pissed if I drank a potion and woke up as a quarter. <laughs> a bullet riddled corpse. <laughs> oh god, you couldn't even come back as a buck? <laughs> come back as 50. Yeah, I heard that somewhere else as well, actually. Probably from me. Green news um, with um, Terry Gilliam, the man who yeah, killed yeah. Don Quixote. He's going to retry and put this fucking movie together. It's not going to happen, dude. And I suppose he got the financing, but yeah, that, that movie's cursed by the Lord himself. He's like, we let you out with the light of Brian, but I'm not letting you make this movie. Floods, injuries. If I was in his shoes, I'd just leave that the fucking yeah. there must be There must be something. So there's some other deeper reason why he just can't let it go. Well, it's the story here, like, because it's it's there is a modern day twist on it. The modern day goes back in mm-hmm. time and becomes Sancho Panza mm-hmm. with Don Quixote. But, um, yes, yeah, it's supposed to be spring 2010. It's supposed to kick off the shooting. Cool. Look forward to that. If he makes it, or else another very good. I haven't seen Lost in the Mancha, have you? Uh, no. The documentary of you know the death of that fucking original yeah, no, person trying to make it. Like, been it's supposed to be very good. Been meaning to order it, but uh, never got around to it. Did you watch. Um, He's just not that into you? No. Well, next year's version of uh, He's Just Not That Into You called Valentine's Day. Oh, fuck. I looked at this. It wasn't really. <coughs> I, didn't, I didn't think it was part of our image. It's just like a massive no. fucking cast. I don't care. <laughs> no, it's. it's uh, <coughs> it is the. <coughs> Valent- <coughs> it is the Valentine's Day movie of next year. Cough it up, dude. <coughs> I got a headache, too. <laughs> <laughs> But uh, this is a pretty good cast. Yeah. Jessica Alba, Jessica Biel, Anne Hathaway, Julia Roberts, yeah, Shirley MacLaine, Bradley Cooper, and Aston Kutcher. Mm. <laughs> uh, I'm not happy, and I'm not at all impressed by the by, by the last one. But yeah. Uh, but no, I, the list I saw was in the opposite room. It was a different order, and it was like Julia Roberts, Shirley MacLaine. I'm out. I let go of that point. Really well, I'm just like saying this, just in the off chance that we have some female listeners who might yeah. be interested in this kind of shit. Sure. No, I mean, we, sh- we should, like, you know, just leave the door slightly ajar. Okay. Not slam it totally in their face. Anyway, there's a plot list. There's a plot here, but I can't be asked to read it. It's like a lot of different people's stories overlapping. It's directed by back. Gary Marshall, director of Pretty Woman, Runaway Bride, and the two Princess Diaries movies. Great. Awesome. By the writing team of Abby Kant and Mark Silverstern, who wrote Never Been Kissed, and surprise, surprise, he's just not that into you. <laughs> And we're just not that into this movie. No. Uh, Jim Caviezel, who's awesome. Yeah. Because he was Jesus. And an outlander. And an outlander. He's starring in William Tell, The Legend. Really? Yeah. <laughs> uh, the newly formed flagship film says... Uh, Soon to close, flagship film says... <laughs> directed by Nick Curran. Uh, I don't know, don't know what he's directed. But it's uh, a fact-based retelling of the medieval legend and it will recount how crossbow marksman William Tell challenged the Habsburg monarch, Hermann Gessler. <laughs> Gessler! <laughs> Tackleberry! Where's the apple come in? Or the tune? I thought I get the, the William Tell overture in there as well. <laughs> That'd be funny. <laughs> but Jim Caviezel, he just makes weird choices. Yeah, yeah. He does weird fucking movies. Goes from Thin Red Line to Frequency. Yeah, yeah. And then from Frequency to fucking Passion of the Cross. Two Outlanders. Two Highwaymen. Did you see that one? I was that one. It was like some weird ass fucking. He does some weird movies. Fucking hell. Slightly more on subject. I saw um, the news this week that Bubblegum Crisis are going to make a live action version. Did you see this? No. What's this? Bubblegum Crisis is the um, one of the original kind of like first wave of manga that swept across the West. Mm-hmm. And it's a lot of. It's these four girls who are kind of cops, kind of in a rock band by day, and also by night they wear parachutes of armor and beat, beat up rogue robots. 
and it's always very kind of cool. It's got that. It's one of the, it's one of those ones that when you read it, it's like it's the finest style for anime. When you think about anime and manga from our side, it's got like even the girls' suits have like high heels on them. <laughs> but they basically <laughs> fight against all these weird robots every weekend. It's just it's an odd movie. But I mean, if the, if the budget's going to be live action, it's going to be live action. Yeah, and it's like it's a co-production co between six countries around the world that all due to the fact that they all have uh, each one of them has trade relations or some kind of tax deal with one other. So they've set up this daisy chain of all the shit, so they're just going to save shitloads of money when they make it, so hopefully that all gets translated onto the screen. Because it's people flying around in weird suits of armor beating up giant robots. Awesome. That's not cheap. No, it's not. No. Gotta get some hot chicks, man. Some well, hot ass chicks. They said they're going to go for Kick two... Kick shit out of metal robots. Two Caucasians and two Asians. Two Caucasians and two robots. The two Asians <laughs> in the group. So all right. They split it. Um, it's going to be released in 2012, and no director or cast is mentioned yet. But no, this would be something like it really had these cool sh fucking fights and people who should we get? Armor. Who should we get in the movie? Who should we call up? If it was, if it was up to call, us. We won't be able to have a choice around that one. That's when the studio's going to force upon us. Ah, God. <laughs> Sounds good. I'm there. I'll see it. It's one of those plots, like, even if it's really bad, you know, how, like, how, how bad can it be? Yeah. Uh, did you hear about the remake of Mona Lisa? Yeah, I saw this. Uh, Mickey Rourke. Mickey Rourke and Eva Green. Eva Green. Do they know who's playing the boss? No, they haven't made those. The only two they mentioned, and the fact that Larry Clark is uh, Larry Clark is writing the record. That'll be hardcore. Yeah. Larry Clark. He's not always good, but he's always hardcore. Yeah, he's fucked up. It's like, I shouldn't really show this shit, but you know what? I'll show it. I'll just keep the camera there for like five seconds longer than I really should. <laughs> I'm surprised you've mentioned this already, but um, did you hear about the rumored Conan director shortlist? No. Oh, you did? You missed this? No, I missed this. All right, well, Conan's supposed to start uh, shooting, I think, on the 24th of August in Bulgaria. Mm -hmm. They haven't got the director assigned yet. Oh, is this the one where, like, is it Total Film or someone came up with a list of potential directors? No, there was basically the, the, there was news on Dark Horizons that the, the studio was looking for James McTeague. Yeah, yeah, V for, yeah. for, for Vendetta. Yeah. But um, apparently, the producer guy who's running it all was kind of like, they have a, he's a different list. Mm -hmm. So he was thinking of either Christopher Gans, who did the Brotherhood of the Wolf, uh -huh. Neil Marshall, who did Descent, Doomsday, and Dog Soldiers. Mm -hmm. Dog Soldiers is awesome. And Marcus Nispel, who directed the Friday the 13th and Texas Chainsaw Massacre remakes. Right. So they're looking for one of them to do it, but I mean, I haven't got much time. I'm supposed to say August 24th? Uh, I don't know. Out of, of all of those, I'd probably probably like to see what Neil Marshall does with That's how I was thinking as well, yeah. Or, I mean, have you, I've seen, uh, I've only seen uh, Brotherhood of the Wolf, I haven't seen Silent Hill, which Christopher Gans directed. Oh I mean, shit. Was it? Oh shit, I mean, but okay. Brotherhood of the Wolf is cool. Brotherhood of the Wolf is cool, but I mean, yeah, I mean, like, it, it's kind of meandering as well, I mean, yeah. it takes a while. Yeah. Uh, but he, he's also directing uh, the new uh, Blood, The Last Vampire. Oh, really? Yeah, that's him as well. Oh. So, uh, it'd be interesting to see how that turns out. Yeah, because yeah, I think you saw the trailer during the week as well, did you? You finally caught it? Mm -hmm. No, I didn't see the trailer, but I saw the posters. Really, really, really like the posters. Yeah, it's cool. The schoolgirl vampire killer. Oh, seeing as we're on to action, Jason Statham. Jason Statham. Has signed up to play a florist. What the fuck? No, no, no. Just kidding. He oh. signed up to play, uh, he, he signed, signed on to the movie The Killer Elite. Oh, right, yeah. I saw something about this. Based on the novel The Featherman by Sir Ranulph Fiennes. Mm-hmm. And uh, it's apparently a true story about uh, the assassination of four SAS operatives by a group of independent assassins called The Clinic. The Clinic. Uh-huh. And The what? Clinic makes the deaths look like accidents, but they don't fool the Feathermen. <laughs> <laughs> the Feathermen. <laughs> the uh, Jewish Feathermen. Yeah, and I guess uh, Jason Statham's one of those, but uh, I heard that he's, he's playing like a, like, a, like a Marine. Yeah. So if that's the case, will he still have his English accent? Or yeah. Will he I'll be ex-SAS. <laughs> 
Mike. <laughs> Probably. <laughs> but uh, yeah, Jason Statham doing. I just I just wanted to hear what it sounded like if I said like Jason Statham was signed on to play a florist in the new movie Bed of Roses. <laughs> the new Kate Hudson movie. <laughs> Christian <laughs> Christian Bale is signed on to play opposite Meg Ryan. <laughs> Abort. <laughs> And should we get more news or you got on the trailers? Uh, I just got something here about uh, this movie that to me just sounds so fucking stupid. The Sorcerer's Apprentice. Yes. The new uh, Nicolas Cage movie. What the fuck is going on with Nicolas Cage, man? He's going out of his mind. He's just taking... He's, he's the new Christopher Walken. He won't say no. Uh, Monica Bellucci and uh, Alfred Molina co-star with him. It's uh, Jerry Bruckheimer's new production. The Sorcerer's Apprentice, it revolves around... Listen to how stupid this fucking plot sounds. A modern-day magician who lives in New York and takes on an apprentice. Yeah. A sorcerer who recruits and trains a young protege to help him fight the forces of darkness in modern-day Manhattan. It just sounds so fucking stupid. <laughs> it does. It's John Turtletop at the helm. Yeah, awesome. <laughs> he directed Phenomenon. But at least it's got Alfred Molina, so you know. Yeah. I mean, yeah, at least you know there'll be some decent scenery chewing in some form. Cool. Nicholas Cage is also executive producing, which just shows how fucking well, yeah, off the fun. off the skids. And also the guy who seems to be uh, trying to get the Tommy Lee Jones trophy of wanting to be in every single movie released in any given year is Sam Worthington. Yeah, yeah. Martin Campbell's been talking to him about the possibility of uh, playing Hal Jordan in the Green Lantern movie. I can see it. I can see it too. It's just like, wow, I mean, this guy's fucking doing shit. But he does look a bit more like Kyle Rayner, I'd say, if he let his hair grow. I don't know. I'm, my vote's still for Chris Pine. Yeah. Because Chris, Chris Pine looks like, looks like a bit of an asshole. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And Hal Jordan's got to look a little bit like an asshole. He's the same Sam, kind of asshole. He's, like, he's, he's an yeah. asshole. He's right. He's doing the right thing. Sam Worthington, you know, doesn't look like an asshole too much. He no. just <laughs> he looks like someone who. From a man, right? <laughs> He does look like a bloke that'd be ha good to have a pint with. He does, he does. Not like Leonardo DiCaprio. He'd have a fucking cocktail and you'd have to beat him. And the night would end up with you yeah. beating him over the oh, everyone, everyone in LA thinks that, like, you know, every time you need a tough guy and you don't find a newcomer, it's got to be Australian because they say fuck a lot. Yeah. <laughs> you notice that the ones who swear the most in these fucking interviews are all Aussies. Mm. Sam Worthington, every single fucking. I haven't seen any interviews that I've read. There's just quite a few. He's, everything is like, this is more the, you know, we're doing a fucking job, man. <laughs> fuck this and fuck that. <laughs> fucking Christian Bale. Fucking love him. <laughs> <laughs> it's been fucking hectic, mate. <laughs> is that what he's been like? Everything, you know, it's like, I'm, I'm, a, I'm just a fucking lucky bloke. <laughs> I'm just fucking lucky. <laughs> and it reminds me of like back in the day when Russell Crowe was young and coming up. It's a fucking, a fuck, 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 yeah, fuck, yeah. fuck. Every time like this new Aussie like comes in. Oh God. And now like fucking Thor is going to be another Aussie. Like, <laughs> fucking, uh, fucking, fuck, fuck. <laughs> fuck, fuck me, fuck, fuck. You got anything else? That's it for me for news. I saw kind of, it's kind of, these are half up between news and teasers, but there was um, two movies coming up that I thought, from the, the, the one line, the, the high level pitch, what's it called? The high cross concept. Hmm? The high concept pitches of these movies to mm -hmm. me was just retarded. Mm -hmm. The surrogates and gamer. Uh huh. Um, surrogates is Bruce Willis, it's in a world where everyone like, it looks know, like, it looks they like, they all plug into these robots. So they it looks like iRobot. Yeah, but they have all the, everyone's, a, everyone's basically a simulation of themselves and how they expect to be and he has to go out and do stuff. Like, yeah, I saw the behind the scenes thing for this. Yeah, and it was just like, 
what I'd heard about it was like, how do you get people to sign up? You know, when you're doing this future about a technology that's changed everything, it's got to be something awesome to, you know, build your entire world around. For this, people to stay at home while these robots go out and do stuff, it just sounds like, why aren't too much effort? <laughs> why would you bother? Why would you bother with what? Plugging into these robots and getting them to do all the shit instead of just doing it yourself. I don't know. It's probably it's expensive. Maybe you're like you're a lazy bastard. Yeah, but you know, lazy bastard won't have the money to pay. That shit's expensive. But anyway, that's what everything that all this. Dude, if you had the money, you'd probably do it. What the fuck? I wouldn't sit there operating when I pay one and just pay somebody else to do it. I'm not telling. Well, you know what I mean? It's like they're plugged into it the whole time. No, so it's like this whole go. voyeuristic thing. You know, you get to. You know, you get to misbehave without really misbehaving. Yeah. But, um, it's like an idiotic idea, but this feature I tried, I think, made it look... It looks, cool. pretty, it looks pretty cool. Yeah. It looked like that part where Bruce Willis gets up and his, his arms off, his arms have been torn off. Yeah, yeah that was and like, he's got the Kevin Spacey hairdo. Yeah, he's got the weird fucking, like... Yeah, it's... It's like, okay, so you, your robot double is supposed to be the perfect dude, and you give it this shitty haircut. <laughs> and, and, like, and when, he, and when he's bald, yeah. he's got this fucking weird beard. Yeah. <laughs> Bruce Willis, but it's Bruce Willis. You don't give a shit. Yeah, but it looks like it holds together more than say, you know, um, the eight day. Does that doesn't hold together at all? Yeah. But um, the other one, likewise, Gamer just sounded like one of the most pants on head retarded movies ever coming out. It's just like you know, it's a video game where you control someone else. That's someone else's Jared Butler. Doesn't really kind of sell that he's that kind of sells. He's not the main character, so you wouldn't really be paired, you know, caring about him. And who else is there to worry about the movie? Mm, no, he is the main character. Yeah, now I know that now from the trailer. But when I first heard it, it was like. Yeah. Hey, and it's also just the trailer again, actually looks pretty fucking fun. Totally, that's totally that's changing my tone about this movie. It looks movie. pretty awesome. And it has like it's these people in the future where you could control inmates remotely, and you play video games with them. Only they die if they're fucking killed. Mm. And uh, the way that was was shown in the trailer was quite cool, actually. And then, you it's know, from the, the guys who did uh, Crank. Yeah, and it's, he's even talking back to his operator, saying like, "I can do this. Let me go." It's kind of cool. It's not, like, you know, it's just people dying everywhere around Jerry Butler. So there's a lot of action. It's great. I'm totally selling that. No, I want, I want to see that. It's been delayed for a while, though. Yeah, it was supposed to be my last, uh, last winter, wasn't it? Mm. And I did remember reading a horrible review for a test screening on Ain't It Cool at yeah. some point. Quite a long time ago. So maybe they took it into the editing room and fixed it up or something. Other trailers I caught this week as well as Gamer. And Princess and the Frog, you see this? The new Disney movie. Actually, yes, I did. Yeah. Meh. Yeah. It does look like nice 1985. To nice to see the old school animation again. Yeah. I must say, but it's just like, uh, I don't know, I guess they're just too old and too cynical and jaded and they look like fucking ass. Yeah, and also the kind of selling, you know, the whole selling at the beginning of the trailers is about, you know, all from the place, place that brought you these things, showing all those clips of like, yeah, yeah. Those, like it's like, that's the last thing you want to do because it just reminds me of how awesome, how awesome, awesome those movies were. Yeah. I'm looking at, you know, like that, that, that bit, the Alden bit comes on and I'm upset when it moves on to something else. I'm yeah, like, oh, 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 I was enjoying that. <laughs> Back when you were good, bitch. Yeah, I'm still trying to for Iron Sky. I've talked to you a lot about this movie. This is the Nazis went to the moon. This now they're coming back. The what's left of them are coming back to kick our ass. They have a trailer and a video tra uh, video poster. Mm -hmm. Video posters are new things I've seen a lot. It's like a little small clip that just does something cool. Mm -hmm. So this one has all like the saucers coming from the moon back to Earth to uh, kill it. Sweet. But there's news on this as well as Udo Kier's in it. Yes. And it's a movie with Nazis. He's got to be head Nazi. He's awesome. He's awesome. Udo Kier, Blade, my own private Idaho. <laughs> Weird. Do you see the trailer for the road? Uh no, I didn't. Yeah, because that's being delayed as well. At, uh, yeah, yeah. Chromic McCarthy book with uh, Viggo Mortensen, isn't it? 
I'm uh, half, I'm about I don't know I guess you could say I'm about 35 percent into the book. Yeah. It's uh, it's a hard read, man. Or yeah. maybe I'm just dumb, but it's hard. Yeah. There's a lot of <laughs> it's, it's one of those books where you know you're you're reading something awesome. Yeah. It just hurts. I'm making misery for the fucking characters. I don't know. I don't know. Maybe I'm not reading it right. I always just find it's one of those books that I find myself always going back a couple of pages. It's like what the fuck did I miss? <laughs> <laughs> but the trailer looks fucking grim. Just like see them the, the books, the what I've read so far, it is grim. Yeah, it's, it's well known grim. Apparently, yeah. the reviews were also at Esquire on um, a pre screen, mm-hmm. and it was nothing but glowing. So, they haven't compromised in the book at all. Sweet. Um, but then again, they didn't compromise the book from the book at all for an no open jail for all men, and the ending doesn't make any fucking sense. Mm-hmm. But um, yeah, it looks, uh, there's some controversy, slight controversy, because a lot of scenes in the trailer aren't new. Right. There's some shots like at the beginning of what happens to the world. Uh-huh. You don't find that out. The whole point of the book is that shit's gone bad. Yeah. You never really find out. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. And that all this footage of all this other stuff, you know, hurricanes, all this at the end of the world kind of crap, and just like, no, that's in the film at all. Huh. So, just very hard. Right, okay. That is weird. No, I haven't seen that. I'm going to have to check that out. Yeah. I think it looks good. It's all about, you know, how far would you go to protect what you yeah. own. And he looks fucking psycho, like the beard is fucking crazy looking. No, Viggo Mortensen, he's... <laughs> I, I've been a fan of his ever since Carlito's way. Yeah. <laughs> you remember him in there? Oh, look what I got carried around with me, man. Fucking diapers. Yeah, was it, was it? Yeah, in yeah. the wheelchair. <laughs> <laughs> Go ahead and kill me, you cocksucker. This is a lot of Carlito's way. And one of the trailers I saw then later in the week was uh, K20. Did you see this? No. It's uh, you know the guy Takeshi Kaneshiro, mm-hmm. young youngish guy, isn't it? I think the House of Flying Daggers. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Um, it's just kind of movie. It doesn't say anything in the film. Well, it's not in English, but it's a Japanese movie. It doesn't say anything in the film about this background, but I got it from other websites that it's like set in a world where World War Two never happened, kind of thing. Mm-hmm. And it's kind of like a gentleman thief mm-hmm. mask kind of thing, but she gets kind of framed for something else. And it's just a lot of action, a lot of cool looking action, kind of steampunky world. It's a very weird looking movie. Cool. So uh, definitely out. check out the trailer. K20, it's called on YouTube. K20. Yeah. And yeah, it's hard to understand because there's no English subtitles, but it looks kind of cool. And there's a lot of awesome scenes and stuff like that. Awesome. I'll check that out. Cool. Anything else? No, I think that's all I got. Reviews. Lots of movie reviews. What do we say review? Push. Push. Cinemas. Push. We got to do a joint review for this. <laughs> yeah. Uh, it's the kind of movie that really sort of like, uh, for me, pisses it pisses me off. It pissed me off. I was vocal about it after we watched it. I, mean, I know. I know. It really is one of those. It's it's one of those films that has a lot of promise. Sets up a lot of interesting things that you think it's going to pay off. You nice think it's going to pay off, and then just doesn't. And if you haven't heard of it, it's uh, Chris Evans. And it's Chris Evans, Dakota Fanning, I mean, Camilla Bell. Yeah, Camilla Bell. And um, I, I can never, I can never pronounce this guy's name. Was it Dimon Hushu? Dimon Hushu. Dimon Hushu. Okay. Houston. <laughs> Whitney Houston. <laughs> now I know how white people feel with Chinese names. Chung Soi. Call me Brian. How do you pronounce X? <laughs> <laughs> uh, no, I mean, what I enjoyed, I enjoyed. It yeah, really so is. The action scenes were cool. So the effects were well done. Uh, let's talk a little bit about what it's about. Yeah, Chris Evans and Dakota Fanning, they're X Men. Basically, yeah, yeah, it's X-Men. I mean, like, uh, there are Watchers, and these are people who can see into the future. Based upon your decisions. Yeah, based upon your decisions. That's only one kind, right? Or yeah. is it... 
Yeah, because I was a watcher, the sniffer. They have all these weird names for all these different powers. Like pushers can move stuff, watchers can see into the future. Yeah, sniffers can, you know, like they smell something and they can see your last, like, I don't know, like one month of your life or whatever. They never really said what bleeders do. Bleeders? Aren't they the ones who scream? Oh, that, oh, because they make you bleed. I guess. Oh, yeah, I thought they would have been called, like, you know, the more succinct screamers. I guess. Seeing as are the ones who scream. Maybe. No. Probably. Anyway. I don't know. It's not important to the plot. <laughs> It really isn't. And basically, all you need to know is that it's like similar to X-Men, only imagine if these guys didn't have the, you know, the school to hide in, yeah. if they were all out on the street, uh, and they're basically, the, these, these, their kind has been, have been used for experiments you know, for years and years and years, but they keep, um, you know, none of them make it through the process that actually enhances their power. Most yeah. of them die when they get that injection. And it's about what happens when they find the one who doesn't die. Yeah. And how she sort of ties into all this other shit that could possibly mean the end of the world. Not and then, quite and then, and then it gets to a certain point and it cheats you of an ending. It cheats you. It's, it's weird because, okay, you got Dakota Fanning, who just looks weird. Yeah. She just looks weird. She's got this whole goth look happening that it's kind of uh, bizarre for me because facially, as far as her face is concerned, you can see she's growing up. Yeah, but yeah. the rest of her still looks like... Right, she's, she's an awkward teenager, yeah. The rest of her still looks like she's 12. Yeah. So it's like this this face has just been superimposed onto this body. And it just looks weird. Yeah, yeah. You know, she looks kind of like, like like a Guillermo del Toro type of character. Yeah. <laughs> just weird and kooky. Yeah. Oh, you know that ad of that chick? Remember, remember that ad of that chick whose face was just sort of like all distorted? Oh, yeah, yeah, the BPS3 yeah. one. Yeah, 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 yeah. Yeah, she kind of looked a little bit like that. Yeah. When, when I was watching the movie, I kept getting flashbacks from that ad. And she's got this whole thing, huge plot point with her mom. Yeah. And it's like, it's a, it's it's built up from like her very first scene. The very no, the very first scene. Yeah, the very first. Glass exactly. ball. Exactly. I mean, it really is a case of uh, of it really is one of those cases of of a of a movie that really thought it was going to have a sequel. Yeah. You know. It's got the, I like to call it the jumper effect. It's just it's uh it's it's it, like hey we're heading for a big standoff wait we can't kill off our franchise villain let's just do a cock tease. Yeah, it's just there's no closure. There's no real closure to the to the story or to the characters. Yeah. Uh, it really is a movie that honestly felt it was going to get a chance to explore territory further. Yeah, I was like thinking, you know, because the the big battle from the um, ad is in the middle of the movie, so there's going to be loads more left. And it's just like, ugh. But uh, I mean, based on box office receipts, you know, there's not going to be another one. So knowing there's not going to be another one, it's just it just it, just it just feels like it's a jagged narrative clip. Yeah, you're getting half a movie. Yeah. You know, you're not getting a complete mo movie experience. Yeah. Uh, so many things are not tied up and or explained or explained or just you know like you don't you don't know what the fuck is going on when the movie ends either you're no, no. you're none smarter no you're none smarter what the fuck is this why is this the, what, the needle's important how are they going to use it to do anything what who huh huh what? postcard what what proof oh fuck it yeah <laughs> yeah no thing pissed me off because I thought he was going to be clever but then he was like he was being fucking psychic yeah. Like, do this, you'll know when to open them. It's like, uh, you're a pusher, not a bit watcher. How come you can, what, what, what? Another thing that used to, that annoyed me, well, not, not annoyed me, but I just found it really weird is that there was no consistency in Chris Evans, Chris Evans, Chris Evans' power. No, it's, well, there was. It just went straight, fuck it up. No, but he, no, but even then he would, like, suddenly, conveniently go, you know, he would go from lame to badass, lame to yeah. badass, lame to badass, and there was no real consistency to it. It's like, you know, like, he'll, he'll fuck up on something totally simple, and then about five minutes later, he's doing something that's totally he's, awesome. Yeah, he's fighting 16 different guys. Yeah, it's like, how, how the fuck does that work? Although one thing, the, the movie does... They, they went to pains to showing him 
not being good at his power. Yeah. And then to do that and not have any catalyst and go straight into... And then suddenly go into this quantum leap of like, you know, it's like, it's, it's, it's kind of how it felt when at the, the difference between Luke at the end of Empire and at the beginning of Jedi. Yeah. Really, in actual Star Wars time, not much time has passed. Yeah. Yet, it's like two different people. Yeah, yeah, yeah. You know? Well, that's because of the whole training thing. It's like Luke got trained in a day and a half. <laughs> I know, you know, it's like they all, they all left. Um, he goes from being a whiny bitch of Empire to like the, the the badass in black. Yeah, closest thing a white man's ever come to looking like Shaft. But in the real time, like you know, <laughs> Millennium Falcon and Han Solo have been you know been running away from the Empire for months now at this point. Like, because like Luke's gotta have his training at that stage. I guess. Anyway, one thing there are things to recommend this movie though. I mean, it's shot in Hong Kong, which gives it a very very interesting look. It has a very very interesting. Um, Cast, cast outside the main characters. The, the, these Asians are without a doubt the weirdest looking Asians you will ever see in any movie. It's like they're it's like there's something out of Ripley's Believe It or Not. Or yeah, something. yeah. They're just hard people whose faces are the wrong shape. It's like one of the screamers. The first time he comes on, I just lost it. Yeah, yeah. We're just laughing our asses off. I mean, that was just that guy's brilliant. Yeah, yeah. And it's just like everything in his face was screaming. His cheeks were screaming. I don't know. It's just awesome. He, <laughs> Every time it came on screen, it's an entertaining movie that has a lot to recommend it, which is why it's an annoying experience at the end. Yeah. Because it just, there's no payoff. Yeah. It's going somewhere and you're like, right, let's see the mom. Who, I, wonder who played, I wonder who plays the mom. Oh, fuck. Yep. And it's a kind of a fake out ending as well. It's a deus ex. It's, it's just the ending yeah, is just yeah. weird as well. It's just weird. It's, it's just, just weird. Odd. It's like, hey, what? Where the money? Uh, wrap it up, say, in the next half hour. Yeah. It's, it's like, you know, like the last scene. It, 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 it really does feel like a, the ending to a bad TV show. Yeah. <laughs> it's like, what do, what do we do now? I don't know. We'll have to wait and see. We're not going to get the chance to wait and see, man. Fuck. You totally fucked us out of a potentially good movie-going experience. And that's the thing. It's like, it's hard to recommend to people because the bits that, you know, the actual disappointment works backwards through time, so the old bits you actually enjoyed at the time now being poisoned by this, and so it's like I can't recommend it to people. Uh, and the guy who plays the—you uh, see the guy who like fakes IDs or something? He's got that. No, 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 no. The, he erases the memories. Oh yeah, yeah. yeah. The He's got that weird-looking fucking face. Yeah, yeah. That long ass face. It looks like uh, that bit in um, was it Evil Dead or Army of Darkness? Yeah. Where Ash's mouth was yeah. just like looked a bit like him. <laughs> All elongated and shit. But yeah, we couldn't recommend it though. I mean, I would. Uh, no, it's one of those ones where it's like it's way down the pile. It's yeah. like you get nothing else to do and you're not really got much of expectation of life in general. Watch it, it's okay. Yeah, it's not a bad movie. It's just unfulfilling at the end. Yeah. Because they leave a lot of shit up in the air thinking they were going to get the chance to finish their story, which they're not. Yeah. So basically you have half a movie. That's, that's its biggest problem. Other than that, it's pretty entertaining. Yeah. The effects were very well done. A lot of nice, nice yeah. use of the powers. They, they made the most out of their limited budget. I yeah. mean, they got a, for the budget they had, they got a lot up on the screen. And the cast is a good cast. I yeah. mean, I like Chris Evans. Yeah, yeah. Chris Evans is, you know, he's, he's a another very charming... Go, he's another guy to go drinking with. Yeah, yeah, exactly. Can him and Sam Worthington in the pub, you'll have a fucking great night, man. <laughs> and a fucking bar fight. <laughs> <laughs> I looked you at 5004. Shut your mouth. <laughs> Let's get Sam Worthington, Russell Crowe, and Christian Bale. <laughs> In a bar. <laughs> I'll kick your fucking ass! <laughs> but don't you fucking understand? Tell <laughs> me fucking trash your lines! It's fucking distracting, Sam! <laughs> oh, good! <laughs> <laughs> That's <nailed it. laughs>
I know you're a nice guy, but I mean, fucking ass. <laughs> Seriously, you and I, we're fucking done professionally. We're done. Oh, God. <laughs> How many times a week do you listen to that thing? Uh, lately, I haven't listened to it at all. Really? It's one of those things that sticks in your mind. Poor Christian Bale. He's really going to have to do nothing but romantic <coughs> comedies for like two or three years. It's going to have to be Matthew McConaughey. Oh, God. Mm. Matthew McConaughey. No one deserves what that. What a cock. <laughs> <laughs> uh, but anyway, okay, push. I mean, also, if you're a fan of any of... If you're a fan of Chris Evans or Dakota Fanning, then it's worth checking out, because they are pretty cool Along together. with your brain. Get your brain checked out while you're at it. Another thing that these fun movies are... Not in the movies, <laughs> they all have to carry two guns. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Everyone. Yeah. <laughs> Everyone in this movie suffers from a weird affliction where if one hand is holding a gun, the other one must also even be holding Even a gun. Dakota Fanning, who for <coughs> no fucking reason whatsoever has to pick up a gun in this movie. Two guns. Well, she's, she's in hiding, she's waiting. But it looks so stupid. Yeah, yeah, yeah. It looks so wrong. The guns are just so big for it's her. Like so, <laughs> it just looked like, I don't know, it looked like child abuse. <laughs> You're no Natalie Portman. Corruption of youth. Yeah. Corruption. Cool. Yeah. Do you know Yeah, let's move on to uh, Tales of the Black, Black Fairy. Mm. So this is the tie-in movie to do with the Watchmen movie that came out recently. The, it's, the way it's set up is that it's the, the Tales of the Black Fairy is a comic book that they have in the world of Watchmen because they don't really, you know, pirate books are popular because there's superhero comics and yeah. there's no point to because you have superheroes flying around all the time. So this is the, the idea in the original book is that this story is interspersed with your main story. Mm -hmm. Zack Snyder is supposedly going to put out a director's cut where it'll have the movie intercut with the cartoon, which yeah. would be very fucking cool. Yeah, that'd be very, very cool. But they produce it as a standalone DVD before they do that so that they can screw you twice over for money. I'm Absolutely. You particularly here, because I won't buy it. <laughs> Absolutely. But hopefully when the director's cut comes out, um, it won't it won't be such a blow if they don't have uh, Under the Hood in it. Yeah. Because at least that'll be one other reason. Another reason to get the Black Freighter uh, DVD. It comes with Under the Hood, which is... Um, the autobiography of uh, Hollis Mason, is the in, Night Owl, in the, who was the original Night Owl in the comic, and also the flick, <coughs> and uh, it was basically um, a tell-all his about tell -all his, his tell-all about his uh, how he started as a as a superhero, and the way that's <coughs> been the way that's been translated in the DVD, it's been done as this really fucking cheesy '80s uh, sort of 60 minutes type talk show yeah. uh, called the Culpepper Minute. Yeah, remember that? Remember that, dude? Yeah, it's, like, it's like, hi, I'm Barry Culpepper for the Culpepper Minute. One thing I thought hindered it was the fact that they were playing it as if it was in Watchmen, so at the because that was a, an older show, they played it as a clip show from that. That kind of distracted me a little bit. I mean, it was a great idea, and some of the adverts were fantastic, because it had real adverts in there. Yeah, the, uh, the, the, the Seiko Quartz Watch. Yeah, yeah, yeah. It was awesome. The, but yeah, I mean, it's, it's an interesting little addition to it. Uh, Black Freighter itself, Tales of the Black Freighter, that's, it was really cool. I mean, they didn't, um... Fuck with the story. They didn't fuck with the story, they didn't skimp out on all the gore and all the violence and yeah. all that hardcore sort of like the, destru the destruction of everything that is beautiful about, about anything. And, uh, Gerald Butler does he's a... He's very good. He he's not, because he's not Leonidas, I mean, I've seen him in, um, you know, uh, 300 and a bit, the little bit of Revolver that I watched. Mm -hmm. And I didn't think his voice would translate, but when he comes across, he actually, you know, he does a very good, a voice that suits the character very, very well. No, I, I liked it. I thought his was very good. And, um, and uh, Jared Harris was also good, good value as his um, 
his dead uh, first mate. Yeah, his dead first mate. That was very nice. Nice little sort of dynamic between those two characters. Because it's this pirate guy gets like, you know, just seafaring captain gets his ship fucked over, gets back home, is afraid of this black freighter going to come turn up before he doesn't massacre everybody and it slowly drives him mad. The black freighter is essentially this, uh, I mean, think of it as... Think of it's it that as part like, also inside all of us that wants to see the world burn. There's the ship from Hades there yeah. to collect the soldiers for his army. <laughs> Basically. Yeah. Uh, and it's really just sort of this whole sort of, um, you know, like, uh, metaphor for just how fucked up... Everything is. Everything is. How fucked up we are as, as people and... The smallest mistake. We all, we all look at things subjectively. Every uh, point has a different... And how basically at the end at the end of the day we're all we're all beasts we're all primitive and just fucking horrible. And we all deserve a job on the poop deck of the uh, Black Friday. Absolutely, it it's very interesting watching it as a standalone experience. Yeah, you know, because like I, I think we both said this when we first read Watchmen, we both skipped over the, the yeah, Black yeah, Friday yeah, bits. Yeah, it's yeah, like, yeah. oh man, it's like for fuck's sake, another pirate story. What the fuck's Manhattan up to? There's enough fucking plot going on. <laughs> What's going on here? <laughs> What's that the fucking part? That book has rocked my fragile little mind. <laughs> my world has been torn asunder. There's Ellen Moore whipping his cock. <laughs> you always come back to that joke. It's new material, man. Alan, Al, no, I'm convinced now with all the fucking shit talking Alan Moore does, I think he is the, the comic book, the literary Michael Bay. You reckon? Yeah. He's just like everything's just He just doesn't give insane. a shit. I mean, I mean even if. Um, the last Alan Moore movie. Oh yeah, oh, sorry. <laughs> Watchmen, yeah, yeah. I mean, Watchmen even, it made his money. It made some money and he's probably old, a large slice of it. And he's like, you know what? Fuck you. <laughs> oh, That's just God. a weird stance to say. Like, you can say, fuck you. Give me the chance. I know, I know. It's, it, it is bizarre. I mean, and you can't hate the guy because, no. you know, he stands by his fucking morals. <laughs> yeah, yeah. So yeah, geez. but you know he's gonna get for the next fifty, whatever, next thirty years, he's gonna continually get asked in every interview. So have you seen it yet? <laughs> have you seen it yet? Yeah. <laughs> Did you get that thing I sent you? <laughs> have you, know, you, have you seen the director's cut? Yeah, it's gonna lead off because like it's always the last one. I mean, they asked. I don't think anyone's asked them recently any reviews I've seen about V for Vendetta. No. No, they're not <laughs> asking about that anymore. No. Have you seen From Hell? <laughs> League of Extraordinary Gentlemen. But it treats its source material well, and it's a very enjoyable movie. No, I enjoyed it. I enjoyed it a lot, and I'm really looking forward to seeing how um, how spliced. You know, when it's all spliced together, because I saw them shooting some behind-the-scenes stuff for that, and I think kind of how you kind of get the impression that you're gonna you know, you're gonna zero on a, zero in on the kid like re reading the comic. It's gonna like just go straight into the uh, the comic book cover and then go into the animation, yeah. which is ooh, yeah, that'd be so cool. <laughs> awesome. One of those things that makes you want to prepare. <laughs> <laughs> prepare for the event, so to speak, to make sure the visual feast is sufficiently satisfying. <laughs> but yeah, I would recommend it if you're, if, particularly if you enjoyed the movie, you know, because I know that there are people that had real issues with the movie. If you had issues with the movie and didn't enjoy the movie, then I don't know, you may not. Yeah, I, you won't be interested in this. This is, yeah, this you is won't a little be extra. This isn't a nice little niche thing where, if you know, if you got a kick out of the film and also a big Watchmen fan, then I, I can't see how you won't enjoy this on some level. Yeah. Finished off the reviews, um, I finally got down to watch Synecdoche, New York. I think that's how you pronounce it. I haven't a clue. Synecdoche? Synecdoche? Synecdoche. 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 Is it Doc? Synecdoche? Synecdoche? 
Is it safe? Is it safe? <laughs> <laughs> Cramps. <laughs> but uh, Citadel's New York. To Cole Hauser. <laughs> <laughs> I don't know why I said that. <laughs> it's Cole Hauser, man. Fuck it, don't eat. Yeah. Every once in a while, I just brought out these random, random names that nobody thinks about. Hmm. Well, stop it. <laughs> Philip Seymour Hoffman stars in this. It's directed by Charlie Kaufman. Chris Sarandon. <clears throat> okay. He's not in this either. Oh, he's not? He's sure. got celebrity Tourette's. <laughs> okay. It's got, like, Samantha Morton. Samantha Morton's in it. And Michelle Williams. Catherine Keener's in it. Catherine Keener just... I, she must be that way. The way that she's in all her movies. Because she plays the pretty much the same character in each one. Artie kind of away with the fairies, not really does not give a shit about your side of the relationship. And uh, like person. you know, fucked up in some she's you know, yeah. fucked up and cold. Mm. You know, she has temperature issues. She'll actually she doesn't care you have a kid together, she'll fuck off kind of thing. Yeah, yeah. Everything I've seen her, I even I watched half of uh, Hamlet too, and the beginning of that is like I don't every person she's like supposed to be romantically linked with on movie or TV, there's just this wall of fucking ice between them. I know, I know. It's like, uh, she's the, uh, the she's the female romantic lead in Death to Smoochie. Yeah, yeah. It's like she gets together with Edwin Norton. And is she just fucking psycho? She's like a little psycho, but it's like the, the romantic scene when they're supposed to get together, it's like, you don't buy it for a second. <laughs> and you know it's not because, you know it's not Edwin Norton. Yeah. <laughs> and it's like just weird. It's yeah. a weird thing where she just sort of stands there and moves her arms along. Yeah. Or plays with her hair. Or basically. plays with her hair. It's yeah. like, oh God, you know, like I'm, I don't know, it's just, I'm weird. Or a pause, and then a quick move. Hmm. I'm an independent actress. Yeah, she's totally independent. She's very, very independent. Her brain's independent from the rest of her body, by the looks of things. She's just a paragon of independence. <laughs> <laughs> Which is why she probably only does mainly independent movies. Yeah. Like this one. Yeah. What's it about? He's a theatre director. I thought you might like that. Awesome. Um, he's putting he on. He sounds like a prick. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> it's very hard to say what, do what do this movie a, is about. It's what do you not do actually for a living. It's Theater not a director. You're a prick. <laughs> yeah, it's about. Well, you're a prick. It's about uh, nothing, like, as far as I can discern. He's a playwright. He gets a grant. Halfway through the movie, he seems he gets a grant for his last his, his last place impressed so much. They give him a grant to up with something. And one of the things that's very hard to watch in this movie is. The time element. Mm-hmm. The guy's Philip Seymour Hoffman. There's a whole thing about subplot about being sick somehow, and he has got weird fucking shit happen to this guy, like you know, pustules on his fucking face and weird shit like this, or a leg that just like, shakes for twenty minutes every at a time. Yeah. But doesn't really go anywhere. This whole sickness thing is like he's sick his entire life. He lives for a long while, but it's basically like, you know, most biopic. It's like a biopic of someone who never lived, but it's the second half of their life. It's the second volume, mm-hmm. the less exciting one mm-hmm. after the car chases and the sex scenes are over. Right. Because it's like he starts off married to Catherine Keener with a kid, mm-hmm. and then as things go by, that falls to shit, mm-hmm. and then something else comes along, and that falls to shit. You're like, fucking hell, man, this guy got around. But the whole thing that in the background is he's got this play going on, and he starts off trying to recreate the shit that's happening to him. He's basically going through a lifelong nervous breakdown, and everything he, that happens to him, he externalizes it onto the actors. Right. And he has this fucking the grass quite big, so he's this fucking huge. Set. Set. Like it's a fucking, he's basically recreated created a few, by the end of it, he's recreated a few neighborhoods of New York within the building. Including, right, right. they have their own building within the building. You right. know what I mean? With yeah, all yeah. housing, another model of the city, and it's just like fucking, it's that big. And so he has like himself acting around. He has an actor and an actress playing himself and his wife, and like he's following them around with himself and everyone in it. Like it's just like, it's, it's just like reflexive upon itself. And there's a lot of weird things as well, a lot of stuff in the background. 
probably just Charlie Kaufman kind of his little takes like you know it's like it has cartoons in the TV and the, it's Philip Seymour Hoffman's head on the character's body <laughs> okay or when Hope Davis turns up Hope Davis freaks me the fuck out I love Hope Davis I strangely freaked and yet attracted yeah 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 <laughs> but like between what was it the nines and this I'm terrified of this woman I, I love Hope Davis she plays a therapist too he's like well you know sometimes I don't feel so bad. oh really that's okay you know, she answers as you finish the sentence, as in nothing's going in there at all. She doesn't give a shit. Keep an eye on the clock. <laughs> and then she had weird shit happens. Like they broke the break the fourth wall a couple of times. It's like he's getting to the end of her book, and he's like, "And even though we've finished our time together, I'll always be with you, as I am right now. If you look to your left." And that's in the book he's reading. He looks over, and she's like, "Oh hey." Weird little shit like that happens as well. It's, but you're waiting for like something. There's, there's, you're waiting for something to kind of happen to indicate what's going on. But like by the end of it, he's become an actor in his own kind of play. Mm-hmm. But it's not. Nick's not made that clear. He's just like, well, I'm having too much. I'm having too much trouble being Cadence as well. I'm playing you in the play, so I'll be you for a while. So it's not much in terms of linear narrative. It's more like oh, it is all linear. It's just that you've no idea how much time is happening. And neither does Philip Seymour Hoffman. He's like, my daughter's been. My first daughter's gone. I mean, she she's only four years old. And he's like, no, it's been eleven years, man. You know, mm. so you after a while you kind of realize that a couple of th- things have happened, and look, by looking at Philip Seymour Hoffman, you've been maybe movie time six months, but it's actually been twelve years. Right. And he gets he gets fucked up about it, the time thing. So you just like you don't know what the fuck is going on, I and mean, it, it does end up spending a huge amount of time. Like he like he dies and he's all really old and shit like that. Is it is it one of those movies that you're supposed to like interpret? Like it'll be a different. A little bit, a different experience for everybody who watches it. Yeah, it's like how people put themselves in their creations is one thing. It's also how people are all idiots. It's a metaphor for whatever you think it is. Yeah, it's it's what art. Yeah, it's art. It's art. Yeah, but it's kind of what's inside. Parts of it are very deeply black comedy. Uh-huh. There's like some weird shit in there. There's like one one person's apartment is constantly on fire, and they never really mention it. <laughs> she always says, "Oh, I was always afraid of dying in a house a house fire," and like the room is fucking filled with smoke. But they've never really explained what the fuck is going on there. It's not that her house is actually constantly on fire, but it's got to be some metaphor or something. And it's just weird. It's not really explained. As she walks through the house, they're like acting as if it's not on fire. And behind the walls, there's just all these flames looking up the smoke going everywhere. And they're just walking around as if it's perfectly normal. That sounds interesting. There's no explanation for that. Though. Cool. But um, it's oddly unsatisfying. Yeah, it is one thing that you have to watch it and then you go, mm-hmm. and then you have to go off for a bit and then, Mm. Think about it. Yeah, it's like, was that massively unsatisfying ending, or did I miss something? <laughs> and there's weird things as well. Like half, halfway through the movie, U.S. troops start showing up on the real streets of New York, handing out like aid and shit like this, and there's noises going off and stuff. So it kind of does progress into a future. Right. But that aspect of it is not explained at all. And people die, and shit happens, and all of this weird, weird stuff. And he becomes part of his creation. And weird metatextual kind of things are all outside. Of Film school students really love it, but I couldn't ultimately recommend it because it was massively unsatisfying as an actual just film experience. Okay. Some cool touches, but just no. Yeah. All right. He's a nebbish. You don't really feel. I still want to check it out though. You should check it out. You'd like it. You think yeah. I'd like it? Yeah, you're an asshole. You love it. All right. Cool. <laughs> Your director. Support your local prick. <laughs> <laughs> your director, right? Huh? Your director. <laughs> just, just traffic. <laughs> okay, moving on to the uh, rounding top ten. Rounding up our show today. Number ten, Mongol. Mongol, the um, the uh, movie uh, adaptation of uh, Genghis Khan. Yep. 
And it's supposed to be very good. Yeah, number nine. Yeah, it's supposed to be very good. It's only it's only this week. I thought it was a while ago. It's weird. Yeah, just this week. Yeah. Um, number nine coming soon. Coming soon. Haven't seen this. Hi. Number eight, Paul Mark. Paul Blart Mall Cop. One of us is probably going to have to see that at some point. I'll try and check it out. Yeah. I'll try and check it out. Actually, we should watch that together. <laughs> <laughs> to keep us from going insane. <laughs> ah! What? Number seven. Ayan. Ayan. No idea. Number six, The Uninvited, Elizabeth Banks, David Street. Yeah. <laughs> Number five, The Sniper. Edison Chan. Yeah, Edison Chan. Number four, Power Kids. Huh? We've missed out on that one, I haven't heard that. Yeah. Oh. Number three, Bosia, Jangan Pili Jalan Dam. Yeah. Number two, Star Trek, straight in there, new. What the fuck are what? people, why are people still going to Wolverine? It's so last week. Fuck, man. Wolverine. Wolverine, dude. Still Holy shit. Two weeks on release holding that to number one. It's making ridiculous amounts of money worldwide. What? Wolverine. Wolverine. It had a very respectable bo- uh, box office at home and the, the overseas market turned in yet. And it's like. Uh, more people have got to see this than they've seen like, good movies. I can't believe that Star Trek didn't bump Wolverine off the top. Yeah. Get into the, the US. US box office. Number 10, Hannah Montana, the movie. Uh-huh. Not the tour movie, the narrative movie. Number 9, Earth. Earth Day movie. Yep. Number eight, Monsters vs. Aliens. I really want to see this. Yeah, oh, you're, you're hyping it. I've seen a bit more of it. Yeah, yeah it's, it's going to be it. coming out in Malaysia next week. I think it's already been in the UK and US territories. Number seven, The Soloist. Dropping quickly enough. Robert Downey Jr. and Jimmy Fox. It's not doing too badly. Yeah. It's not doing too badly. They'll probably like top out of 40 mil, which for a movie like that is not, not bad. Right? Reviews are middling though, right? Reviews are, it's half and half. Yeah. Um, six next day air. Next day air, which Roger Ebert really liked. What's that about? Uh, it's uh, it's it's stars. Can't remember Donald Donald Faison or something. Mm-hmm. He's the um, he plays Turk in uh, Scrubs. Oh yeah. And it's based. It's like uh, one of these African American comedies. I couldn't really tell what it was about. Oh. Uh, number five, seventeen again. Fuck it. Four obsessed Beyonce. Is it? Yeah. Okay. What's Beyonce Knowles like? and Ali Larda. It's like a it's like a modern day fatal attraction type. Huh. Number three, Ghosts of Girlfriends Past. Matthew McConaughey. Trailer looks good for this Michael Douglas in it. You haven't seen that trailer, have you? Cock. Cock. Yeah, massive cock. Number two, X Men Origins. Wolverine. All is right with the world because number one is Star Trek. Wolverine doesn't deserve that much money. Give it to Trek. <laughs> Be interesting to see uh, how Angels and Demons does in the opening weekend. Yeah, I think so far it's been okay. Well, the projections. Some. <laughs> I'd love to just. Reading articles on that is just confusing. It's like, well, it did as well as the studio hoped, but not as good as other studios had hoped. It's like, I what? I don't know. I don't get it. Yeah. I just work here. Yeah. So today is the seventeenth. So oh shit. No, we've got two weeks to go for Terminator. Two weeks. So we won't be able to review that for two weeks. We'll survive. No, we won't. <laughs> you can't wait anymore. One week's gonna kill me. <laughs> we'll be good. We'll be fine. We'll find something. Yeah. Uh, so we'll, we'll see if we can get an advanced screening. Yes. We'll make some calls, pay some people. Yeah. Sweet. <laughs> well, I guess that's it. That's it for this week's podcast. Tune in next week when we have something else to talk about. Bye. Bye-bye.